When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Check it out. Hey, I'm McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody in Solar Panel land. I am really glad you're joining us this morning. Thank you again. It's the dog days of the off season. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to hold it against you if you're not actually watching today. Uh, that's totally fine. And, but if you are listening on the podcast later, I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody who is part of our podcast on these Saturday mornings. I know you have better things to do, especially when there's been no news on the Suns for over a month. But I do appreciate you being here anyway, because, you know, just like me, just like Zona, you can't stop thinking about the Suns anyway. So speaking of that, how are you doing this morning, Zona? Good. Um, Rattler season is over, so it was, it was a heartbreaker. They lost by one in the Footprint Center. So uh, now I have a little bit of a life again, so that's nice. But uh, tough way to end the season. And... Uh, it's pretty disrespectful yeah. that you would say nothing's happened with, with the Suns when, you know, they signed Ish Wainwright and Dwayne Washington. Come on. Yeah, Come on, I'm Dave. still saying nothing's happened. Nothing <laughs> against Ish, but. Uh, <laughs> but you got to admit, well, the, the Dwayne Washington signing was hilarious, just in the most petty thing. How it happened, movie. right? Yeah, the whole eight-in situation. It's awesome. Yeah, so for those who are not aware of how the eight-in situation and, and Dwayne Washington came about, give us a quick recap. Yeah, so essentially the Pacers had to clear um, cap space in order to sign DeAndre into the, the max offer sheet that they did. And one of the casualties of that was a promising young guard that actually kind of came on strong for them at the end of last season, Dwayne Washington. And I jokingly like tweeted out after, like, you know, the Sun should just pick him up just out of like pure like pettiness. And sure, sure enough, Jones goes out and does it. And he can play a little bit. Like I, I would take him over Alfred Payton in those minutes easily. So, and he's semi, he's kind of a prospect. So a little bit on the older side for a college guy um, out of Ohio state, but he's still just 22 though. Yeah. Yeah. So he's still young enough to where there's upside, but he's like experienced enough to where you can, you can actually put him in a game and it won't be a complete disaster. Yeah, so uh, we have a we have a friend of the podcast, Caitlin Cooper, who is a Pacers person because there's so many connections with the Pacers. It seems like every year, every few months, we're doing something else related to the Pacers. So um, I I checked in with her 
and I said, well, what do you think of this Dwayne Washington guy? Obviously she, she is really deep in the weeds on, on, um, how the Pacers play and how basketball is played. And she's a really, really good guest. I've had her on before we talked to her a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I asked her about Dwayne Washington and basically he sounds to me like a Langston Galloway in that she says his defense is rough, particularly with executing switches, but he can heat up in a hurry from three, including on movement as a ghost screener, which can be helpful. Kind of sounds a little like Landry Shamit there. Uh, does not hesitate to attack mismatches and has some surprising ball skills with Smitty moves. Not quite sure what that means. I didn't ask her and should and shoulder shimmies to create separation. Oh, okay. So he can, he can get his own shot by creating a little bit of separation, uh, but he doesn't finish a well, finish well around the basket. Likes to use his inside hand on the left side, but that doesn't work. So uh, yeah. And his, so his defense is suspect. He can make some threes. He can get a little bit of separation to create a shot when he's got the ball, uh, but he's not really a point guard. And she really said, similar to Aaron, I asked her how he compares to Aaron Holiday, and probably similar to Aaron, she said, wouldn't trust him to run an offense. Point Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Washington, was typically a dicey proposition and didn't happen much. Yeah, he's he's not going to be a point guard like like she said. It's going to come in and run the offense, but I think he does have like a little bit of wiggle to him, and like he can create some separation and get some shots up. So uh, the shot creation is like something the Suns desperately need. So um, you know he he's not going to be that answer to solve all their problems. But it's it's a nice worthwhile shot on a two way contract. Like why not? Yeah, exactly. It's a two way contract. He's twenty two years old. He might grow into something. Uh, you'd certainly. For the Suns, financially, roster flexibility-wise, for the team age-wise and potential-wise, he's a better investment than a Langston Galloway at this point. No no offense to Langston. He's a really cool guy. Uh, we actually had him on the solar panel a couple of years ago when he was on the team, and, and he's, a, he's a really good guy. Um, but, you know, he's, he's almost 30 years old, or he is 30 by now, and he's really only that guy. He's really only the the guy uh, who can heat up from three if you get him an open shot. So Dwayne Washington is a younger version. Maybe he grows into something better. Maybe he doesn't. It's okay. Uh, so it's good then uh, that he's been added to a two-way contract. And the Suns have now filled both two-way spots. They got Ish back on a two-way. I'm a little surprised Ish didn't get a full contract, full-season contract, um, from anyone this summer because I'm assuming he would have taken a full-season contract from another team and but once he was down to two-way opportunities or overseas or whatever he came back to the suns as much as he likes the suns he also likes money anybody would a two-way contract gets you you know maybe as much as half a million but probably more like one or two hundred thousand at the most Mm -hmm. um ish will be with the team for up to 50 games again like he was last year that they've really the league has really made two-way contracts your extra roster spots rather than, hey, they can barely touch the floor on your NBA team, which it was a few years ago. So he's not going to spend any time in the G League. He's going to stay with the team. He's going to be active for up to 50 games. And days on the on the NBA roster don't matter anymore. It's the games you get into that really matters on, on the two-way. So it's a perfect addition for the Suns. It's a little bit less money than he could have gotten on a full contract. Um, it's possible the Suns said, hey, 
by the time we figure out the rest of our roster by training camp, we may give you that last roster spot, but they can't promise anything. So he took the two way. I'm happy yeah. that it's just come back. Yeah, me too. And I think and to like a lesser degree, it's kind of like the campaign situation where, um, you know, when they extended him the off season, it seemed like it was a discount in a way after how great he played uh, leading up to that. And uh, he just wanted to be in Phoenix. I think there's other places he could have gone and got a guaranteed roster spot, but uh, the Suns also probably mentioned that, you know, we're probably going to be cleaning house with a, a big trade at some point and the roster spot will open up. So that's yeah. yours. Um, kind of like an under the table agreement type thing where sign a two way now, like we want to keep you here. You're in our long-term plans and we'll find a spot for you. So um, I'm glad he's back. He was, he's actually at one of the Rattlers games recently and really good, really good dude to, to meet and kind of t- talk with a little bit. So seems like he loves the Valley and, um, I, I do think he could become a useful rotation piece and, uh, you know, as a, you know, ninth or 10th guy that can come yeah. off the bench, bring some energy. And if the three is real, then, you know, he becomes like a, almost like a PJ Tucker in a way. Yeah. Um, if he, right, exactly. Well, okay. If the three is real, then he's definitely a more, more of a threat off the bench because he can hit that three from the corner. Uh, he shot over 40% on threes from the corner a year ago. He just didn't get a lot of chances until the last several games. He actually played almost more in the playoffs than he did in the regular season as far as minutes. And um, he made over over 40%. So if that three is real, great. But there's a reason Ish Wainwright is not a full-time player in the NBA, and that's because he's not that great of a basketball player. He He's big, but he doesn't rebound much. Uh, he can move, but he doesn't defend great in, in, in space and all that. So Ish is not really a – he'd have to grow to become a long-term answer. He's definitely not mm-hmm. by nature. But he's a great influence on the team. That's a, that's a big reason they kept him, and they made him a, they gave him a full roster spot for the playoffs so that he could be get into the playoffs after having been a two-way all year because two-ways are not allowed to be on your playoff roster. Um, they, did, they did a lot to make sure Ish was still with the team without having to invest a ton more money in him. And I think it, hopefully it works out both ways. Um, Big Merck, I think, I think you're lying to yourself. If you say no KD, please, the Suns should beg and plead to have KD on the team uh, because simply KD is one of the best players in the NBA and you're going to want that kind of guy on your team. So, but if KD doesn't work out, that's what the, that's what the feeling Uh, We're going to go with on today's show. Today's show, we're going to talk about the West and we're going to talk about the Suns as if the KD trade doesn't happen. The thing is, right now, the entire NBA is in a holding pattern. If you guys have noticed, there's a lot of guys, a lot of all-stars, not a lot, but there are a few all-stars that are on the trade market that have not moved. One of them is Kevin Durant. Another one, he's not on the trade market, but he certainly hasn't signed his extension and he could be holding the Lakers feet to the fire over that is LeBron James and LeBron James obviously should be disappointed in the team that was put around him this past year. Uh, Again, they just did one year contracts with the people they put around him again this year. So he can't be that much more excited about the team. He might be holding the Lakers hostage on what are you going to get for me now? That's a better player than a one year signing uh, before I sign a, uh, an extension. Or it's quite possible LeBron will just move again to another team. 
Um, so LeBron's holding things up. KD is holding things up. These veterans, these like uh, LaMarcus Aldridge type, a Kemba Walker type, they're all waiting to see the dust settle to see which teams are the biggest contenders after those guys settle in for their teams, and then they'll fill out roster spots. Um, LeBron, Sawbucks, LeBron should take a pay cut. Well, the, that would require the Lakers to buy him out. They're not going to buy him out. Um, he's under contract for the next year, and he could become a free agent, but he's going to want to time everything up with his his son coming into the league. Uh, there's a there's a podcast called Basketball Illuminati with Amin Al Hassan and and Tom Haverstrow, and they were talking about all the stars aligning for 2024 LeBron and his son Bronny to be on the same team in the NBA. And LeBron, if he had his way, it would be on a Vegas team in the NBA. Um, so there's a lot of things that might be's and wannabes and all that, but LeBron's probably not going to tie himself into anything that is going to take him past the 24 off season. Um, so, uh, trade the whole boat for one half of a goat. Uh, what do you mean? One half of a goat, big Mark? I'm not sure. I'll keep team bridges. No, man. Look, I love Mikel bridges like everybody else, but Mikel bridges is not going to win you a title. Kevin Durant's been finals MVP twice. So what do you think, Brandon? Do you want it? Would you do Mikel Bridges uh, for Kevin Durant and, and and call it a day, or would you pass? I mean, you, you have to. And this it pains me to even say that. Is there, there's a very short list, list of players I'd include Mikel for. Um, but like you said, you know, when you get someone at that level of talent, you just can't pass up on that opportunity. Um, you know, even if it doesn't work out, that swing is worth it, in my opinion. Like, you just need if – you, if you're trying to win a title, you need one of the top five players in the league. You need the best player in the series. Yeah. And, you know, maybe uh, I think it was PLR that said this a couple weeks ago that maybe Booker can be that guy eventually in his prime where, you know, if he gets hot, he can take over and be the best player in the series. But um, as of right now, I think, you know, having two of those guys makes you like we've seen with teams in the past, like having that two man group that can kind of just carry your team um, gives you much better odds. So I think at this point, as much as it pains me to say it, mm -hmm. yes, I would obviously include Mikel, uh, to land Durant. And, uh, he not only is Kevin Durant, but he fits exactly what the Suns need, like from a scoring perspective to like the highest degree. So yeah, it's, it's not only a good fit in terms of just adding a star, but just getting something the Suns desperately need, which is someone that can go and get buckets, like just give him the ball, get out of his way and he'll, he'll score for you. Yeah. If you look at the last two playoffs, while we were talking up the Suns depth, and their scheme and all that so much. The last two playoffs, the reason the Suns lost when they did was be not because Campaign had a bad series. It was not because Mikel Bridges had a disappearing series. It was because Devin Booker and Chris Paul came up short. So while Devin Booker and Chris Paul won a lot of playoff games the last two years, including Chris Paul just a couple of months ago, won four playoff games single-handedly, including going, what, 13 for 13 or 14 for 14 in a, in a closeout game. Look, the dude's incredible. Or not the closeout, but, a, but a, a really important game. They didn't lose because those other guys played bad. They lost because Chris Paul and Devin Booker played bad at the wrong times. And what you need is another guy like them or better than them to actually not have a bad game or at least reduce the chances of guys having bad games. Someone's going to bring up that, well, um, KD just had a bad series against the Celtics. 
Yeah, the thing is, your best players can have bad series. You need to have more than one best player or two or three or four, ideally, so that you can um, you can rely on the third guy or the second guy or the fourth guy to step up for you. And D.A. and Mikel were not ready. They just didn't have it. And they required Chris Paul and Devin Booker to get them shots because they don't create shots on their own. So you've got to have a KD. You've got to have someone like that who can create a shot on his own. Not that KD will necessarily be better than Booker going forward. I actually am of the opinion that Devin Booker is the team's best team, best player going forward, even after a KD acquisition. However, adding KD means Devin Booker doesn't get triple teamed in game seven of your second round series, forcing the ball out of his hand and nobody else can step up. Having KD means Chris Paul doesn't have to worry about the fact that he's getting bodied by these big defenders and taken out of the game. KD creates a lot of openings for the other two stars to make it easier for all of them together. Jason Tatum was bottled up in the finals against uh, the Warriors. Jalen Brown then had more room to move, but he wasn't fully established. Jalen Brown, that's why the Celtics would trade Jalen Brown for KD. They've already made that offer because as good as Jalen Brown was, he's not your closer consistently in your biggest games. And when the other team focuses on your very best player, uh, that other guy, KD, could have stepped up for the Celtics in those in those finals. So the Celtics know what's what. These other team know what knows what's what. The Suns got to acquire KD. But let's assume, again, we're going down the KD road. I would acquire KD any day of the week. KD was going to meet with Joe Desai this week, the Nets owner. Um, I saw an article this week. I forget the uh, who put it out. Sorry, it was on a national publication. Of all the trade demands in history that have not been met, trade demands by stars in history that have not been met by their team, and then they went on to win championships by staying there. And one of those being Kobe Bryant back in the mid-2000s. He was so sick of the Lakers. Remember that recording of him saying, get that, get his ass out of here. Um, and, a, and on a, I forget where he was, but it was during the offseason talking about Andrew Bynum. He didn't trust Andrew Bynum to help them win a championship. And the Lakers didn't listen to Kobe Bryant. They kept him, and then they acquired Pau Gasol, and the rest is history now. There are half a dozen guys like that. But every one of them was talked into staying by late in the offseason before training camp started. They were talked off the ledge. So this meeting with Joe Tsai this week will either be KD agreeing that it's okay to stay, and then this all just kind of goes away, because the Nets are not going to get good value for KD. They're just not. Or he reiterates his trade demand, and the trade has to happen. Because more often, if you can, if you can put six guys in an article saying those are the trade demands that didn't work, those are the trade demands that were ignored and guys stayed with their team. You've got so many others where the trade demand did work and the guy did go to the new team because that's what they wanted. That happens every year. So we'll see what happens with this meeting with Joe Tsai. But let's just go with what if what are the Suns going to do if KD never materializes? Because what I feel like they're doing is they're just lying in wait. They're either going to run it back with their same team or they're going to acquire KD at some point. And they may even want to wait until trade deadline to acquire KD. They might keep the team together that long 
with all their assets lined up that long and see what happens. So if that's the case, let's talk about the West. Let's talk about who's your top four in the West. And I want you guys in the uh, chat to help us out. So you've got Clippers, Warriors, Nuggets, Suns, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Pelicans, Wolves, Lakers. Who's your top four in the West if the Suns run it back? Now, let me give you a little recap on who's who. who Did you just include the Lakers in that group? I'm just listing all the teams that could surprise. Yeah, I don't think anybody else in the West can can surprise. I know. I just I just had to give you a hard time. Yeah, no, I know. Um, Some people still believe, including Zach Lowe, uh, still believe the Lakers could step up if Anthony Davis makes it a rebound year. Okay. Um, Clippers, they'll have Kawhi and PG. Let's assume Kawhi and PG are healthy. Although, when they were healthy, they lost in the second round in the bubble. I will remind people of this. And they lost to Devin Booker's game winner in the bubble. (laughs) Um, The Warriors. They played great in the finals. But can anyone really count on those three not getting old at some point? I mean, Draymond Green's almost mid-30s. Chef Steph Curry is almost mid-30s. Kawhi, uh, excuse me, um, Clay Thompson is coming off of those, those surgeries, and he's just not the same guy. They lost Gary Payton II, which, you know, should not have been a big deal, but I kind of feel like it's a big deal. Um, but the Warriors should be considered the top of the, the West, although I do think they're very beatable. The Nuggets getting Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. Neither of those guys has ever sniffed an all-star game. They may never sniff an all-star game, considering how deep the the talent is in the West. But they're max players. Um, Suns coming back with all their same team, except swapping Dario for JaVale. The Grizzlies, no real roster changes. They, they exceeded expectations last year, and they came in second in the West. Mavericks made the Western Conference Finals, but they lost Brunson. They added Christian Wood, but everyone adds Christian Wood. And then a year later, everyone subtracts Christian Wood. So I'm not convinced Christian Wood is any, any value to them. Um, the Pelicans probably get Zion back. And they were, as we saw in the playoffs, dangerous. The Wolves, they got Rudy Gobert. We don't know if he can play next to Carl Anthony Towns. But so what do you what do you got as a top four among those teams I mentioned, Brandon? Who do you think is the top four in the West? Hey, let's take just a minute to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can't miss this. You can't, you can't skip on this, man. This is a great, great deal. Baseball's going on. Soccer's going on all around the world. There's sports all around the world happening. You can bet on those sports right now. You can also bet on futures. Do you think the Suns are going to win the, uh, the championship next year? You can bet on that. You can put, but that's a long play. That's a long play, right? So bet on something that happens this weekend. You will get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's a promo code TBPN 
Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I think uh, Phoenix and Memphis, just from a you know continuity perspective and just knowing what you have, those two teams I think will be in the top four in the regular season, 100%. Um, there is a whole Jaron Jackson Jr. injury that kind of makes things interesting. He might not be ready for the start of the season, and it's kind of a reoccurring yeah, foot that's issue. True. So that's true. Jaron Jackson Jr. might miss half this. I mean, he's got long rehab from that. It's yeah. not it's not short rehab. But like we've seen, though, the Grizzlies, they're deep in their system. They just keep – like they find a way to win games in the, without their best players like in the regular season. So um, I think as long as they're healthy come playoff time, that's all that really matters. So uh, to me, that, that's a team that's ready to make the next step. They're, they have the Warriors right there without John Morant. So they're I think they're um, a team on the rise. I think the best team, though, if we're looking at ceiling right now, is the Clippers. Um Adding John Wall, um, Norman Powell, Robert Covington last trade de- deadline, and Kawhi coming back to join Paul George and you know um, Zubak, Reggie Jackson, Ter- uh, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris. Like that's that's a deep team. Like that's probably the deepest team in the league, and they have two two way stars that are wings. So uh, yes, they lost in the bubble and like they've underperformed in the past, but I think. This team's built a little bit better around those two guys now, and they're definitely a team that would – I think I would I'd rather play the Warriors than the Clippers in, in a playoff series if we're talking full strength. Um, I still think Golden State's going to be a threat. Obviously, I think they have to be in the top four. So um, my last one would probably have to go – I think Denver in the regular season, they're kind of a team that knows how to kind of walk through and get 50 wins somehow with Jokic leading the way, and then now with Murray back and maybe Porter Jr. back, like – uh, they're a team that will probably make some noise. Um, Dallas, I think, I mean, yes, they just kicked our ass in game seven, but losing Brunson is going to hurt a lot. And I yeah. think let the less shot creation around Luca and just adding, you know, Christian Wood and JaVale McGee, who are suspect defenders, like that's, I don't think they got better personally. Um, but I think, you know, if Luca continues to get better, that's all that really matters. He can kind of carry them. Um, have you seen yeah. the pictures uh, from uh, of Luca lately that he now looks skinny? Oh Lord, off season photos will be the death of me. Every remember every when year, of them. remember last off season, all the photos were about how skinny Nikola Jokic had gotten, right? Do you remember that? Like he suddenly was going to come back spelt, yeah. <laughs> and then he looked exactly the same this past yeah, year. I I just ignore any no off season photos. Just just ignore that stuff. It's yeah, people are just bored and. I don't know. They like to create these false narratives and storylines and try to get it's, excited, it's which I don't, it's a long off season. So I get it. You know, but. so Hitman X says the Kings should get some attention. Okay. But not top four in the West. We're talking top four <laughs> in the West. I think the only attention they should get is, will they get their 16th straight non-playoff season? They're going to make the play. in. That, that was my hot take. I uh, think so. Back. I think, I, yeah. I think they're, they're better than the Lakers. That's my take. Uh, Dean St. Louis says next year is going to be a real dogfight. I'll, all I'll say is every year is a dogfight. Um, every year the West is supposed to be better, and every year there's something different that happens. The Suns and Grizzlies finishing one and two in the West was never to ha- was supposed to have happened this past year. Um, so things happen every year. Uh, Big Merck is on a run here. He's saying Clay. I'm. He's questioning my take. Big Mark, that Clay Thompson's not the same guy after injuries, but Kevin Durant is still an awesome goat after his injuries. That's conflicting. No, I'm just looking at their post-injury play. 
Kevin Durant averaged 37 and 7 after coming back. He's been incredible after coming back. Clay Thompson has not been incredible. Clay Thompson did not have a look at his stats. Jordan look Poole at who he him. is. He's not the same guy. He's yeah. really not. I'm not talking about injuries making you not good. I'm talking about who you are after the injuries. Yeah, I think the another team that's going to take that next step is the Pelicans. I mean, we saw it firsthand in the first round without Zion, how they kind of push us to the edge. I think that's that's a team that if they can keep Zion healthy somehow, and and that's a big if, but if they can, like that's, that's a very scary team. And uh, same with the Timberwolves, if they can figure out how to play those two bigs, like and Anthony Edwards takes another step, like uh, that that's an interesting team. So the West is tough. It's deep. Um, it's nice that the Spurs are tanking yeah. and Jazz will probably join them soon. So there's at least a couple teams throwing the towel, but uh, you know it's you know one through twelve, it's pretty deep. Yeah, um, Hitman X, LOL, Dave. Kings have a nice roster. Look, I, I'm telling you, 15 years out of the playoffs, I am not going to in August on the sixth predict them to be top four in the West. Just not. Show me something. Show me anything. Anything. Um, okay. So everyone thinks Clay is going to be his old self at, at uh, early 30s like he was in 2017. Go for it, guys. Believe what you want to believe. I ain't stopping you. Uh, my top four in the West. I think the Clippers are definitely the top team in the West. Assuming that Clay and, or excuse me, Kawhi and PG are healthy. I really do. They have so many good players that they can withstand guys being in and out of the lineup all year, which is important because when we're talking about top four in the West, we're not talking about ability to win playoff series necessarily. We're talking about win, winning regular season games. The more depth you have, the more likely you win a lot of games. And For they the have same Ty reason, Lue. I think. What's that? And they have Ty Lue, who's just an awesome coach. Like Ty Lue can do anything he wants with the team. Exactly. He's a very, very good coach. He didn't get as much credit when he was coaching LeBron as a rookie coach, uh, but he really knows how to make adjustments and get the most out of his team. Um, so, although that, yeah, okay. That was Jock Rivers, wasn't it? Um, the Clippers in the second round loss with Kawhi and PG. So we'll see what happens this next round. I do think the Clippers are the most dangerous team. And I think if Kawhi is supreme Kawhi, they can win the whole thing. But if Kawhi is not supreme Kawhi, depth is not going to win them the whole thing, just like it didn't for the Suns. Uh, Warriors, they shown they can win in the playoffs, but during the regular season, how many games are they going to win? Are they going to be first in the first in the regular season? I don't know. They're good, but I think they're going to be top four for sure in the West. The Warriors are still here, folks. They're not going anywhere. When they're most dangerous is the playoffs, if they can stay healthy. Um, that's a question, though. If they can stay healthy, if they don't get old. So Nuggets, I'm a little worried about the Nuggets being really good, but I'm in the regular season, but I'm not as worried about them in the playoffs until they prove it. Um, the Grizzlies, I do think they'll regress a little bit. So I'm going to go Clippers, Warriors, Nuggets, and Suns with a dark horse for a top four seed being the Pelicans if Zion Williams becomes the Zion Williams people thought he should be and could be. Yeah, uh, I agree. So, I think they're, they're ready to take that step. And Ingram kind of looked like a, a superstar against the Suns there in stretches. So 
uh, it, all those rookies too, like Alvarado and Herb Jones, they're just the most annoying pests. But uh, yeah, that, that's definitely a league pass team next year. Yep. <laughs> so says Jay. Uh, he doesn't know how to type. I think he's trying to type really fast. What blasphemy to just walk into? I don't know what you heard, man. <laughs> Who knows what you heard? Probably walked so, in as we're talking about the Kings as a top four seed. Oh, <laughs> probably. Because <laughs> they're Who not. Who knows? <laughs> uh, so Clippers, Warriors, Nuggets, Suns. Those are my those are my top four in the West. Um, I don't think the Lakers have enough to to get that far during the regular season. Um, wait, we're not talking about the East, Justin, though. So says Jay. We're not talking about how much I love Giannis. So I don't know what you, what blasphemy you think you heard, but um, those. So the Suns are running it back. Do you think Dario will help the Suns win more regular season games than Javale McGee did, Brandon? If we're talking about a full strength Dario that knows the system and has built up chemistry with like, you know, guys like campaign and that second unit, I think he helps more um, offensively. Uh, defensively, he's still very limited. I mean, JaVale McGee was also limited in a different way, uh, but I think it's just nice to have a, a change of pace big because you have Bismack who kind of can play that JaVale role in, in a way. But you also have Dario who can stretch the floor and give you a different look, which is what I think they're missing in that Dallas series. So I think just having different looks as your backup bigs is going to be huge. And that's that's a big reason why, you know, Dario is kind of the the unsung hero of the bench unit. And, you know, he's, he's not a real needle mover by any means, but he's someone that um, can definitely help with the flow of the offense and, and just giving you that different look up top. Yeah, we've got a Tom Edson in the chat says Dario unlocks pain. I think that's very true. Um, Dario is a passer. He's a connector. I think people are also going to like the bits and pieces they see of Jock Landale. Jock Landale is going to be that kind of Frank Kaminsky type where he comes in um, if there's injuries or COVID or whatever it is, he'll suddenly get a bigger role. But otherwise, he'll barely he'll just be a cheerleader on the bench. When he does come in, you're going to see a lot of connector abilities with him. Dario does has connector abilities too. Dario is just, he's not a top line guy, but he's a really good connector. He can play with the starting unit. He can play with the backups. He can help the backups be better in playmaking. I'm looking forward to seeing Dario again. As much as I loved JaVale, JaVale is a highlight reel. Great highlight reel, right? Loves his blocks, loves his dunks. Um, but he didn't really do a whole lot else for the Suns. And yeah. Dario does a whole lot else that just doesn't show up in the in the box score. So I don't know that Dario wins the Suns any more regular season games. I think it's probably a toss-up. I think in the playoffs it's probably – but I, it's not a step back, is I guess is what I'm getting at. They just do different things. The Suns will look a little different with them in the lineup, um, you know, one versus the other. But I do believe the Suns are didn't lose anything necessarily by losing JaVale McGee. Yeah. And I, I think having McGee and Bismack come back was never real, a real option. Like, you don't need two of those guys, uh, you know, backing up Aiton, who kind of fits that same profile, but obviously a much better player. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of good to see them go and get someone like Jock and have Dario coming back to the guys that just fit their system to a T. So, um, you know, they're just preparing, I think, you know, for if that KD trade does happen, just having that extra depth. So, um, I really like the Landale signing. I think 
he'll end up being a fan favorite at some point. Yeah, Ted Lubin in the chat. Uh, JaVale is a way better defender than Dario. JaVale, better rim protector. Can't move. A better rim, he's a better highlight defender. Yes. But he but he's a turnstile on in the perimeter. Uh, despite the steal and dunk that he did on Luca, after that, JaVale hardly played in the rest of the series. There's a reason he hardly played the rest of the series. Um, there is a let's see, do 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 do. Uh, shoot, I lost it. But there was some one of our, there it is, right above this comment. Uh, Tom, Todd Edson, I legitimately think, legitimately think if we had Dario, the finals against the Bucks may have ended differently. I don't know that Dario would have been helpful against Giannis, but he could have played in a too big lineup next to Aiden and defended Brook Lopez better than anybody else the Suns had. So I do think the finals might have ended differently because the games were so close. And and really, they were down to the one big with Aiton. So I, I do agree with you there. I also think JaVale would have helped in that finals too. It's just that the 2022 playoffs played out differently. We played against different teams. And the addition of Dario or JaVale probably would not have helped against the Mavs. Other guys needed to have stepped up against the Mavs that didn't. Uh, so it is it is what it is. Dario's not going to win you a championship, but he might have made a difference in that series for sure. Um, so any other comments about the top four in the West uh, before we move on to our next next section? Uh, no, there's. I mean, there's just a lot of ifs at this point. And like, if they stay healthy, if they do this, um, if they don't age a ton, so. I think there's a lot of question marks, but there's also this is also one of the deepest, um, you know, set of teams that we've had in a while. I think because just listing five or six teams that could be top four seeds plus that next tier of teams, like all being super competitive. Like, um, you know, this is this is what the West is all about. It's kind of feels like last year it kind of took a step back in a way, a little bit um, to the East, but at this point, I think there's there's no denying that it's the the top conference again. Okay, so at this time, at halftime of the show, I just want to throw something out there. Um, I know a lot of you don't follow our Twitter account, Sun Solar Panel, on Twitter. Um, we have, but you probably should be, because we have a promotion going on right now with our uh, basketball podcast network that we're a part of with our DraftKings sponsor. Um, the, oh, I have a tweet out there. If you look at the Sun Solar Panel Twitter account, You'll see that the last post made on there is a tweet that we're having an NBA jersey giveaway. The account of the 30 of the 30 or so NBA um, podcasts on this basketball podcast network, the account that gets the most retweets, there it is. Hey, Mr. Graphics, thank you very much. Go to our account. The account that gets the most retweets gets to give away the jersey. There's one jersey. If you go suns at Sun Solar Panel, all one word, Sun Solar Panel on Twitter, find our most recent post, you retweet it, tag a couple of friends, follow the pod, follow the network, you're in the contest, and you can help me possibly pick out a jersey to give to one of you guys. An NBA jersey, so obviously I'll make it a Suns jersey. Suns jersey of your choosing. Kevin Durant, Suns jersey. Speak it into existence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we could speak it into existence. You can get a number seven jersey, 
Kevin Johnson, and then just change the name, put a little tag over top or something like that. Uh, so yes, so go to our Twitter account. That's on Twitter at Sun Solar Panel, and you can win a chance to get a jersey. Go over there and do that. Hit the retweet and all that. Just follow the easy instructions. It takes you 14 seconds. Easy. All right. Next uh, section here of the of the podcast today is I want us to talk about what if we don't get KD and the Suns just run it back. They think actually that um, uh, I think that if the Suns don't get KD, they're going to stick with what they have until the trade deadline. At the trade deadline, we might see whatever. But the Suns are, I think they're going to stick with what they have. If they do, I want to ask you two questions, Brandon. I want to ask the chatters these two questions as well. The first question is, what is the biggest guaranteed most for sure thing you're going to see from this Suns team in 22-23 season that you have no doubt is going to happen? What's the biggest guarantee you see from this lineup for 22-23? You mean just like in the what happens in the regular season as a whole? Yeah, no matter what happens, whatever happens, whatever guys get better, guys get worse, whatever. What's the guarantee you know, hundred percent is going to happen to the uh, Suns in the regular season? I had one. I just don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to say it out loud. Um, I'll move on to the other one. I think uh, they're they're going to play their brand of ball. They're they're going to win probably you know 55, 60 games again and. Uh, the national media is not really going to care and NBA Twitter is going to just kind of have that game seven taste in their mouth. And uh, they're going to have to, they're going to have to be in prove it mode pretty much all season long, Um, you know, and, and it's going to have to carry over in the playoffs too. So because after that performance, I think uh, that's just going to be in the back of their minds too. So I'm excited to see like, you know, last year we called it like the revenge tour a little bit, but I think uh, this year it's, it's going to be a different type of feel. So I think we're going to see a motivated Devin Booker, um, I think they're going to be shooting for 60 plus wins again. And, you know, maybe they don't take the regular season as serious as they did last year, just because they know that it's just about getting hot at the right time, trying to get in the playoffs on a good note. So um, I think just being a little smarter about how they approach the regular season could also be something that we see sort of like that Bucks approach where they, they fell short all those years. And, you know, then the year they won the finals, they kind of, I want to say coasted in the regular season, but they were just, they paced themselves. So I think that's one thing we could see um, as, as good as I think the team will still be, it might not be in anywhere close to the 64 wins. Um, and that could be by design. And I'm not saying they're going to try to lose by any means, but they, there's just a, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the biggest thing I think uh, we'll see. There could be a little, some more resting of back-to-backs and stuff like that. So there is a possibility that this team finally hit the wall and couldn't get up in the in the uh, as of April 1st basically once they got that 60th win or even if you want to say the 62nd 63rd win to guarantee i think that it's possible not probable but possible they hit a mental wall where they suddenly couldn't come back to their hyper focus that they had for two straight years this team went two straight years winning every possible play, not just game, not just, not just, not just um, series, not just every possible play. They were hyper-focused, and all of a sudden that focus was gone as soon as they hit that 60th win. And they held on long enough to get that 63rd and then 64 and all that, but really they were not the same team after they got that 60th win. 
And I really think, you know, every team has a really down period. And they said lame answers after game seven. They're like, man, we picked the worst time to have the worst game. But, you know, those do, those games do happen. And um, so what? Here's, here's what I think. I think the biggest guarantee is one of the first things we hear out of Monty Williams' mouth and the whole thing he'll say every post game, every game for two months is similar to what you said, Brandon, which is we can't worry about every game anymore. We spent all last year worried about every single game. Remember, they wanted little wins. They wanted that 18-game win streak. They wanted to celebrate every little milestone along the way. And that foc- that requires hyper-focus, hyper-focus, hyper-focus the whole time. I think this year they're going to take it a little bit easier. That doesn't mean they're going to win a lot less games. It just means they're going to care a little bit less about every single win during the season next year. So we're probably going to see, you know what we didn't see last year? We didn't see losses to bad teams. We saw them beat almost every bad team. And that's a sign of being hyper-focused. I think this year we'll see a few more losses to bad teams and everyone's going to go, oh my God. And then they're going to win against the good teams. Um, so I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit, but I still think that's 55 to 60 wins. Yeah, I don't think that's a big fall off. I think that's probably second, third seed in the West. It could be even be first seed in the West. That's the part that matters is what you said, Brandon, that they're playing their best ball in April, not their worst ball in April. Yep. And that's what they're going to be shooting for. And that's going to be talking about. I think that's the biggest guarantee. Definitely. And I think, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be April. It's like, because there is like a little bit of like a period between like the regular season ending and the playoffs starting. So if you can get locked in and like you're all on the same page heading into the playoffs and in the first round, like we saw against the Pelicans, they did not look like the Suns that, you know, we were accustomed to seeing in that series. So I think even if you start off the first round on a, on a high note and, you know, some shooters get hot, that carries over the rest of the playoffs. So I don't think like a ending on like a five game win streak in April with teams resting their guys is going to be something that's necessarily going to translate. It's just more about, you know, how you're entering the, the playoffs and, you know, just how that first series goes. Because I, I think uh, we saw how the momentum from the Lakers series in the first round, you know, seemed like down to one, you know, things were rough and then they just completely tore them apart and used that confidence to carry them through the next couple of rounds. So I think getting hot in the playoffs is also a thing that can happen. And that's probably the most important thing. So, uh, but I think all this experience is, is great for them. You know, with, mm-hmm. if they do run it back and keep this core together, uh, you know, just all the battles they've been through together, there is value in that. So I think those late game situations and in the clutch, um, you know, one thing I also want to touch on is like people aren't talking about it a lot, but that Booker injury after he scored 31 in the first half against the Pelicans, yeah. he was never really like, he was looking like he was never, the he's, same. he's arrived. Like this is like the Booker we've been waiting for. And then unfortunately the hamstring injury happens and he was never truly the same. Like he was still, as, as good as you can be coming back from an injury like that that soon. But, um, man, the playoffs could have been so much different if, if that hamstring injury doesn't happen. Like, that that series could have been over a lot sooner. Maybe yeah. they're more well-rested against the Mavs. Like, I mean, that's just, you know, that's tough. So, Hey, yeah, so we've got a couple of negative people on a guarantees, and I, I just we got to give some air to both sides of it. Um, uh, we've got one guy uh, saying that CP3 will play too many minutes. Yes, of course. <laughs> he always does. Um, 
So says Jay, a guaranteed championship. Of course, he's trying to jinx it. But back on the negative side, um, Monty will find another Abdul Nader type to give too many minutes to. <laughs> That's probably true. Um, let's see. Monty. Oh, and no, low sons. Monty won't adjust to game plans. Uh, every coach can grow. Monty's got to know he's got to be able to grow. He admitted, he self-admitted several times this past year, especially during the playoffs, that he is predisposed to pushing through with the guys he believes in. When the guys he believes in aren't playing as well, he keeps them out there anyway, hoping they'll break through. He overplayed the wrong guys and underplayed other guys who might have done better at least, or at least he didn't. He, obviously, he knows he didn't do everything right. Will he ever change? We don't know. Doc Rivers is still the same coach. He won coach of the year once. He's won championship, but he's still frustrating as hell because he overplays the wrong guys. Um, who knows if Monty Williams is going to grow from that? I think the Suns can win a championship with Monty Williams, but um, the way it is now, he's he's putting too much faith in Chris Paul, and he's riding Devin Booker a little bit much on on you know if he's if he's injured. And he's allowing Mikael Bridges and, and DeAndre not to step up. Um, so, yeah, so that Monty's going to have to grow for sure. Uh, let's see. Um, I disagree with that last part a little bit. I don't think he's not allowing Mikael and Aiden to not grow. I think some of that's on them. Like, you have to do stuff outside the system and be aggressive. And But, but there is there is ways they can get them more involved, I agree. But I think those two guys have to – to step up offensively and just be more aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. They have to want it more. Um, Zach Lowe made a comment of the stunt, the Suns, when Zach Lowe was talking about it with Michael Schwartz this week, who used to run Valley of the Suns.com really great website in its day, no longer as the same, but back then they were really, really good because they have Michael Schwartz and Mike Schmitz who are now both at ESPN. Um, Schwartz was on with, with Zach Lowe, and Zach Lowe continued his trope that he's been saying for two years now, and he can't get off of it. And I want to ask your opinion, Brandon. Zach Lowe says, I don't care that the Suns were third on offense this year and they were seventh on offense a year ago. I don't care that the Suns were the number one or two offense in the playoffs this past year alone. He goes, what I care about is they cannot keep defying all the odds and taking mid-range shots to win games. They've got to change their shot profile. They've got to take more threes. They've got to take more shots at the rim or they won't win a championship unless they change their shot profile. What do you think about that? So I get the line of thinking. Uh, I disagree though. I think the sun's biggest problem offensively is they're too predictable and they don't have that X factor that you can, uh, unless Booker's in that mode where he just can't miss and he's taking over games, they don't have that that person you can just get an easy bucket from, and that's in the playoffs. That's what we're talking about. So in the regular season, their offense just hums as a whole, and like their, their offense is good in this last playoff run too, but they're also very easy to game plan for in certain scenarios. Like if you have the personnel, that's a big if. Not every team can do it. But I think the, the biggest thing is just um, finding something to like to break that and that's what Kevin Durant is. He, he's a game plan breaker. He changes the entire dynamic of how you defend Booker and CP. And, you know, having Chris Paul, DeAndre in pick and roll with Booker and KD on each wing, like how are you going to guard that? You're, you're not. So 
Um, I agree. The Suns' offense. There's there's some areas where it's they're they're kind of capped out a little bit, which is weird to say because they are an elite offense. But um, I don't think the shot profiles need to change. I think just a couple personnel changes, uh, whether it's going out and getting someone like a Jordan Clarkson or someone that can help with that scoring burden. Um, but yeah, I think at this point it's just more of personnel than it is adjusting with what they have. I, I don't think they should change the way they're playing. Here's my take on the whole thing. He's focusing on the wrong side of the ball. That's my take. Why are you worried about the offense that even in the playoffs was still the one or two offense in the playoffs? They were the number three offense in the in the regular season. Um, it's a really, really, the offense is not the problem. I understand you've got to have a guy who in the clutch can break down the other team. That's Kevin Durant. But you know what Kevin Durant's going to do? Take more middies. So it's not about whether it's threes or at the rim, it's just about making the right shots at the right time. That's why you add a KD. Instead of changing your shot profile, you can't just go 10% more threes and win more games. It doesn't work that way. Just doesn't. No, I just think in the modern NBA, you need to take threes. No, I think that Tom Ed- Todd Edson, the offense is fine. The offense yep. is third but, in the league. Yeah, there's no reason to change what you're you don't at. change the offense just because someone else says take more threes. Well, guess what? If you don't score as many points, you lose. That's it. So threes don't guarantee you making scoring more points. They're just a different kind of shot. If you get your points and you're second, you're third in the league in offense, stay there. Okay. They're focusing on the wrong side of the ball. Here's how the Sun, here's how the Suns lost to the Dallas Mavericks and the Milwaukee Bucks. Monty put way too much trust in single-person, deep one-man defense, sorry, one-on-one defense, DA against Giannis, and then Mikel Bridges against Luka Doncic. And single defense, whereas if they were switched off, he put Chris Paul on an island against Luka. He put Jay Crowder on an island against Luka. He put DA on an island against Luka. He put JaVale McGee on an island against Luka. Never trap, never double team. Now, Luka has proven he can he can split double teams and traps, and then, of course, you've got the mismatches on the backside, and he knows how to find them. But, man, no, the offense was fine, Todd. Look at the stats. The offense was fine. It's the defense that completely failed against the, against the maps because they couldn't generate. Luka throws... Uh, throws turnovers, passes to turnovers more than just about anybody else in the NBA. Guess what happened against the Suns? He didn't because the Suns didn't pressure him enough. The Suns needed to have more pressure. They needed to do more creative things defensively against the other team's best player. Defense is what lost the Suns in the playoffs last two games, not offense. That's my take. And also the footprint center is cursed. It's um, As soon as they changed the name that halfway through the finals, they lost both home games there after a 2-0 start and then game seven happened there so we need an arena change as well an arena change arena name change yes arena name change. yet another is, one it's cursed man <laughs> I, I, why would you change the name of the arena when you're up 2-0 in the finals just that was a curse i yeah i'm mean, uh, so a little superstitious so <laughs> I guess, but why is our team the only team that isn't adjusting to the modern NBA? I think we're just hyper-focused on our own team, guys. The Suns, guess how many playoff wins the Suns have compared to the rest of the league in the last two years? More than anybody tied with the Bucks. 
Guess how many playoff series the Suns have won in the last two years? More than anybody tied with the Bucks. So the Bucks have one more playoff win. Sorry, Bucks have one more playoff win, and um, um, no more series wins. Nobody else has come close. So to say the Suns don't adjust at all is wrong. I just think the the key was that they didn't adjust enough on the other team's best player. Monty put too much trust in one-on-one defense against top five league players. So that's where I think uh, the difference is. Okay, my next question for you guys in the chat as well as Brandon. Um, do we think, how much of a worry is it? What's our biggest worry spot? What's the biggest thing you're worried about with this 22-23 Suns? What's the thing that you are laying awake at night Worried is going to happen next year. Um, I think it's kind of the obvious thing right now is just Chris Paul falling off a cliff. If, I mean, if that happens, uh, you know, this team really, especially if they don't get Durant, we're just kind of out of any offensive options. And that's, uh, you know, hopefully Mikel or DeAndre can take another, uh, like both of them take a leap along with Cam Johnson. But yeah, I think Chris Paul aging just really changes the whole dynamic of the team. Um, and then also rebounding and just, you know, big wing defenders that uh, that's kind of just been the, the theme like that, you know, the lack of size, as Sawbuck said in the chat, that's that's definitely something that outside of DeAndre, we just don't have a lot of physicality and and, uh, you know, people that want to go get the rebound, you know, throwing people around, just doing the dirty work. So I think uh, those are the, the two main things. But I think if Chris Paul falls off a cliff and plays like he did kind of towards the uh, and in portions of the playoffs last year, then, uh, you know, this team is, is capped out. All right. So in the chat, we've got Sawbuck's lack of size that you already mentioned. Mark Clavel says backup point guard. Todd Edson, creators besides Ball, Book and Paul. That's absolutely true. Um, they're all, all these things are true. Uh, lack of leadership on the second team. Um, I, I do have a little bit of a worry about that, although I'm less worried because Dario's coming back. A true sixth man, I think you're um, underestimating Cam Johnson, but that's okay. Cam has to prove it more and more. Uh, Dean St. Louis, CP3 injuries, DA with an island attitude. Um, CP3 injuries or just falling off a cliff, that is a huge worry. I agree with you there. Um your biggest worry, Michael Lockhart, is that Disney takes over the Suns? No, I think that's fine. Just bring Iron Man onto the team. We're good. Um, CP3 playoff jinx. Uh, it's it's funny. You just cannot expect CP3 to win you series in the playoffs consistently every series. He won the first round for the Suns. He won the second round for the Suns a year ago. He helped win the third round, the Western Conference Finals. He's a great player, and he's going to continue being good, but he can't be your number two. He needs to be your number three or four now at this stage, and then you love it when he steps up and has one of those games. You can't rely on it. I agree with that. But um, playoff jinx, I, I think he is just so heliocentric as a ball handler that he becomes his own jinx because he's not quite good enough to carry you over the top. He's a top 15 player, not a top five player. The Suns will need Devin Booker to carry them if they're going to win and they're not going to make any other changes. Um, so Liz Nichols, Chris Paul going down. Yeah, if he has a long-term injury that stays an injury and, and hits in the playoffs, that's a problem. 
Um, for sure. Campaign making layups is your biggest worry. I don't think that lost the Suns anything, but sure was frustrating, wasn't it? I wish campaign would figure out how to do that again. I wish he'd figure out how to make threes again. I do think we might see a backup, uh, a bounce back season from campaign this year. I really hope so. I think that'll solve the uh, backup point guard. My biggest worry spot for the Suns is their mentality. I know I'm, I'm carrying it forward, right? They lost their good mentality at the end of this past year and they couldn't recover. I think a whole summer of trade rumors for everybody on the roster not named Dave, Devin Booker could weigh on this team because none of them feel like they're there for the long haul. Anybody could be traded, even if it's only for KD and you understand it and you would do it yourself. It's still unsettling. It's still unsettling. So a whole summer of trade rumors. DA, is he in the right frame of mind next year, even though he's got his long-term contract? I do worry about that, and that's going to require Monty's skill as a coach, as a leader, to get these guys on the same page and caring about the future of the Suns when the Suns were willing to trade just about any of them for KD. You you understand it, but you don't want to be that guy. That's why I want that trade to happen before the season starts. If it does, just get that distraction out of the way. And like, this is our team. We're rolling in with, you know, the trade is done. Um, but if, if it doesn't get done and KD is still hanging out in Brooklyn and that's looming over them, like throughout the mm-hmm. beginning of the season, that's definitely a distraction. hundred percent. All right, let's move on to our true false section. Again, we want the chatter to pay, uh, to participate in this. Uh, Brandon, I'm going to let you run this section. Uh, this is so you guys are going to vote true or false in the chat, and we'll share everybody's answers. All right. The first one, um, Jay Crowder tweeted about change recently. It was kind of like it looked like a little subtweet. Um, was that a subtle trade request or hinting at a trade to come? True or false? Uh, you know what? He could easily. Anyway, just been messing hang with on, this? let me let me let me add this real quick. He also liked a couple of tweets semi recently of him and other jerseys or other teams like talking about wanting to acquire him. So that adds to like the whole, you know, drama, if you will. So I had to throw that in for context. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Jay's been on three, t- no, three thousand teams. He's been on about six teams in his career. Uh, he, if I'm worried about the Suns coming back with hangovers from trade rumors over the summer. He's the one I'd be least worried about besides Chris Paul. Um, Him and Chris Paul will be just fine mentally. Mental strength is there for these guys. So the reason for that, the reason, and I I think that. So if I think that, then I don't think that was a trade request or him just getting tired of being considered in trade rumors and now he wants a change. I, I think it's most likely that Jay, I think it's false. I think it's most likely that Jay Crowder was having fun with this and he probably cut his hair. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think in the offseason, stories like that will always get overblown, um, especially this time of offseason where there's nothing going on. So I agree. I think it's it's probably just something that happened in his day-to-day life or maybe, you know, relationship yeah. or something like that. Uh, who knows? But I don't think it's like an Eric Bledsoe, I don't want to be here situation by any means. Ted Lubin, Sawbucks, Perplex Damage, Los Suns all agree on false. Uh, we don't think it was a trade request. Jay, Jay's just too mature too veteran to throw that kind of thing out there without having fun with it. Yeah. All right. Number two, um, true or false. This current sun's core is good enough to win a championship without a splashy move. 
Um, I without a splashy move, yes, but it would require major further growth from Book, Da, and Mikel. They're all going to have to grow noticeably again if the Suns are going to stay with the same. But that is the four with Chris Paul that would, without a major move, carry them to a championship. I think this current core is good enough to win a championship. Will they? Who the heck knows? There's six teams, seven teams, eight teams out there good enough to win a championship. The question here, is it good enough to win a championship? I say yes. This core is. Will they? I say probably not. Because if you've got eight teams good enough to win a championship, only one of them can. But I definitely yeah. think they're good enough. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think they're they're not doing themselves any favors by, you know, not going out and making a move like that to put them over the top. Um, but I think they're in the conversation, um, which is, like you said, there's a lot of teams that are in that conversation and a lot of things have to break right for you to win a championship. So um, I think as long as they continue to get better and we see some leaps from Mikel and Aiton and Cam, uh, there's, they're definitely in that conversation, but it's not, I think, you know, obviously making a, a big move like a KD is the, the, realistic path to like actually being a title contender where, you know, you're not yeah. only just a contender, like you're most likely the favorite at that point. So that's, that's the difference. Um, so I'll go yeah. true, but a lot of stuff has to go their way to get there again. So in our chat, we've got uh, Ted Lubin. So says Jay, Michael Lockhart, all saying true perplex damage says false. He doesn't think this team is good enough to win a championship. Uh, so says Jay, of course, no COVID. Yes true um liz isn't even voting she just says trade to come so she's got the inside i guess uh, todd easton falls todd doesn't think this team is good enough to win a championship again i'm not saying the suns will i'm just saying they're good enough too but so are six or eight other teams dean st louis says true uh todd edson says west got better yeah every year west gets better every year the suns won the west two years ago and they had the best record in the West this past year. Uh, Low Suns false. Uh, so, yeah. So, Cam Jay is a huge wild card, Ted Lubin says. Um, so, Michael Travis says true. Liz Nichols says true, but. So, okay. That's good enough. That's good enough for me. We have a majority thinking that, yes, they are good enough to win a championship, but I doubt everybody thinks they're the prohibitive favorite, which they would be if they acquired Kevin Durant. Yep. All right. Uh, next one. The Suns still have the best backcourt in the NBA. True, because Devin Booker is the best shooting guard in the NBA. And Chris Paul is still all-NBA caliber all-star. Um, absolutely, I think they have the best backcourt in the NBA. Will they play like it this coming year? We don't know. Uh, but right now, yes. Both guys are all-NBA in that backcourt. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, a lot of people are probably like give the Warriors a shout out, but Clay's, like you mentioned earlier, he's not the same at all. Um, you know, Steph is still incredible and aging very well. So they're in, in the conversation for sure with, you know, Phoenix and Atlanta kind of enters the discussion a little bit with Murray and Trey. Um, Harden and Maxi, just, you know, that, you know, it depends on which Harden shows up. You know, there's, there's some decent backcourts, but I think the Suns are. Uh, at this point, uh, the best backcourt in the league. Yep, we got all trues in the chat. Um, Liz, Mark Clavel, 
Sawbucks, Todd Edson, Los Suns, Michael Lockhart, Esteban, all saying true. The Suns still have the best uh, backcourt in the NBA. I will say uh, Devin Booker beat out Steph Curry for all NBA first team. Um, so even then, you've got that you've got that difference. So yes, I definitely think so. At this point, will they play like it next year? We'll find out. Yep. All right. Next question: uh, True or false? DeAndre and will get more offensive freedom this season. And I know it's it's tough to guess that without any trades being finalized. So let's just assume they run it back with this roster currently. So I'll repeat that again. Um, true or false? DeAndre and will get more offensive freedom this season, assuming nothing changes. First of all, welcome to Nelson Clark. Yep, it's only 1 a.m. where you are. Boom, you're in. This is. Uh, thank you for joining our live show. Um, so <clears throat> the question is, will DeAndre and get more offensive freedom? I think yes. I think you're going to see a little bit of a new tone from Monty Williams this year. I think all last year, Monty was frustratingly dismissive of any extra offense by DA frustratingly dismissive. Um, even in the, even in the postseason chat, he said he wanted to really grow the offensive games of their guards, but Monty was talking in context of shot creation. They're going to work with DA, I think, and they're going to hope that DA and they're going to give DA an opportunity to show that he can create off the dribble. Will that be as effective? We don't know until we try. And they have to be willing to suffer through some growing pains. But D.A. is definitely their third most talented offensive player. He just is. So they need to get the most out of that. Um, and they've got that long-term commitment with them. And they certainly don't want him thinking about trade requests. The guy has a note, obviously cannot be traded until mid-January. He has veto power for a full year. He had to get the Pacers to make the offer to get him that max contract. All that stuff could put DA in a bad mood, but if you tell him, but you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do you right. We're gonna make you a bigger part of the offense this year, and that's gonna make DA happy. So I think that's gonna happen. I think he's gonna get more freedom this year. Um, will it by playoff time regress back? No, I think he's gonna have he's gonna be his best offensive season this year for sure. The key is he's got to also keep rebounding and play defense as well. So um, I, I say true. Uh, what do you say? I say true as well. I think I think this will be the year he breaks that 20-point mark. Um, and this is, like I said, assuming there's no KD. I think, uh, you know, the team's going to rely on him more and, you know, just his maturity. And, you know, hopefully, you know, with the dust settling from the extension and, you know, the team believing in him a little more, I, I think this could be the year he breaks that that 20 point mark um, consistently just because outside of, you know, book, they don't really have, I mean, Chris Paul can score when he wants to, but he prefers to set people up. So I think they're going to need Deandre to, uh, to take that next step. And they know this like that, if they hit their highest ceiling, it's, you know, obviously Booker can, can take them where they want to go. But Deandre is kind of that X factor that when he's clicking, this team is just completely different. So um, hopefully they, they treat him that way and he has his best season yet. Yeah, a few people are commenting in the chat that um, the, the pattern is when he has his good games, it's because he scored most of his points in the first half and then he gets ignored in the second half. Absolutely true. That's got to change. They've got to do stuff to change that this next year and balance out those scoring opportunities for him. But that's that's on Monty Williams. That's on Chris Paul. Um, that's That's got to happen. You've got to get the most out of your third best player for sure. Yeah. 
And I think um, him attacking off the dribble ahead. too. Uh, I was just going to say him attacking off the dribble, like with how quick he is at his size and how defenses are just not expecting it. Like uh, that's an easy area, I think. And we've seen it like every once in a while, he'll, he'll um, catch defenses off guard and just take it to the rim and throw it down. It's like, we need more of that. Even if it doesn't lead to him getting to the rim, just kicking it out. Or even if he drop like, gets called for a charge. I would love to see that more. I think that's the next evolution in his game is mm-hmm. just beating, you know, slower players off the dribble and uh, with defenses sagging off him, eventually stepping out and hitting that three consistently. We've seen it a little bit more. So uh, I think there's still a lot more to his game offensively. It's just, uh, I don't know if it's going to all come together at once, but if it just continues to slowly get better, then, uh, you know, that's, you know, you got to be patient with a 23-year-old. Well, 24 yeah. now, I guess. Barely. Just turned 24. Yeah. P-Dog's having fun at the chat at Robert Sarver's expense. I just think it's a little funny, and I'm going to use the Suns ownership group, not just Sarver, but the Suns have spent more money this this past 12 months than they've ever spent ever on players. They kept everyone. They gave everyone their big contracts. He's not still cheap. He's just not. He may not be a good owner, but he's not cheaping out. He's paying the money. Uh, Okay, your last true-false. All right, last one. Uh, true or false, Kevin Durant will start the season in Brooklyn. Look, here's here, – this is the thing. The only team Kevin Durant will be happy to play for would be the Phoenix Suns. He might be talked into being happy to be playing for the Nets again. But while the Nets can trade Kevin Durant to any team in the NBA – he won't re-sign with He'll be happy. Uh, the re-signing isn't an issue. He's under contract for four years. But you don't want an unhappy superstar. You don't want a guy who doesn't want to be there. So now Todd Edson, we would have heard it already. No, actually, these guys are all taking vacations right now. If something's going to happen, it'll happen early September. The Nets are going to try to talk Kevin Durant into wanting to stay. They're going to bide their time. They're going to wait it out. Um, he still could be traded. Having said all that, I do think he stays in Brooklyn because the Brunettes want more in return. And then they'll see how the season starts. And if they start below 500 or at 500 for the Nets, then you'll see trades come back. So it's either going to be September before training camp, or it's going to be more like January or February. Um, But I do think the odds are growing that he starts the season in Brooklyn. So I'm going to go ahead and say true. Yeah, at this point, that's what it seems like it's trending towards. And I think, uh, honestly, I believe the Rudy Gobert trade ruined the, the NBA offseason. I think that that expectation just completely shattered what the value of players really is. And um, Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant would have been traded by now if that Gobert trade didn't happen. That's that's my hot semi-hot take. It's probably not even a hot take, honestly. Um, I just think that teams are going to hold out for more now because they expect – Somebody Uh made a comment that, um, oh, shoot. Yeah, okay. Somebody made a comment that Danny Ainge's trade history is if he's completely pulling the wool over your eyes, completely devastating you, then he'll agree to the trade. Otherwise, he won't. And that's what happened. When he he did the trade of of Durant and, and Paul Pierce to the Nets, he completely shellacked those guys. And then this trade to Minnesota, completely shellacked. He's not going to accept anything less than a shellacking. So I think Donovan Mitchell is not going to the Knicks, and I wonder if he is even going to get traded because Danny doesn't do 
um, even trades. He just doesn't. Um, another funny thing I heard was uh, on the SI Now podcast, um, the guy goes, let's talk about the Phoenix Suns for a second. What if you said, let's run it back with a championship contender, but let's do it in the most uncomfortable way possible. That's how the Suns did it, by doing all these trade rumors and, and the holdouts and all, all that stuff. And it is true. And that, does, that is what I'll, what I'll worry about the most. I do think Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant stays in Brooklyn. Um, Todd Eason, you're right. I, if I'd have read your comment correctly, I would agree with you, and I do agree with you, that the Nets, the first thing the Nets would have leaked is that that meeting with Joe Tsai would have come out that Kevin Durant is happy staying in Brooklyn. So because we didn't hear anything, I think it's probably that his stance is unchanged. But we just don't know if he's going to refuse to play for Brooklyn or not. That's what would be actually be a deciding factor on whether the Nets are forced to take a lesser deal. Um, okay, so that's it for our true-false section. Thank you so much, everyone, hour 15 into this. I appreciate y'all's time coming in today. I do want to point out um, it's been a year since the solar panel split. Uh, for five years before that, uh, Espo and I, with Tim Tompkins for three of those, four of those, and then Saul Bookman for a year, did the solar panel here on Saturday mornings with you, live streaming the last three or four of those. And we broke up because those guys wanted to start a whole network. They wanted it to be a full-time weekday thing. They have done a great job at PHNX. I have a different full-time job. I couldn't have gone with them. And I had a choice. I could have I could have quietly just slid into retirement. That was the running joke of how I'm getting old because I have some gray hair. I could have just slid into retirement and let the solar panel die. But I didn't want to. I wanted to keep it going. And I'm really happy a year later to still be here. And I got extremely lucky to get a new partner for the show in Brandon, the Zona Hoops. And I'm really happy for you this past year becoming the media relations manager for the Arizona Rattlers. I'm sorry their season ended in heartbreaking fashion like the Suns always do. Um, and like the Mercury a year ago in the finals. Um, I'm sorry you guys are just now suddenly part of the footprint center curse where you get everyone's hopes up and then dash them. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's been an awesome. It's, it's great to see you keep this, this show alive and I'm happy to be a part of that. Um, and yeah, uh, only better things ahead, I think, as we continue to grow. And and yeah, like I said, the Footprint Center curse is is real um, between the Suns, Mercury, and, and now Rattlers. It's uh, it's a tough time to be an Arizona sports fan, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll get there. This it is, is tough. Year. It's it's fun to be an Arizona sports fan until it's not. How about yes. That? <laughs> <laughs> Which is why your comment earlier, we need to change Footprint Center to something else because all these finals losses have happened. All these championship game losses have happened since yep. it became footprint center. Um, thank you guys for your support staying around here for this past year. I got to change solar panel a little bit. We now have more guests on uh, more interesting third party takes. People who aren't just all sons all the time. I like doing that because I allow, um, we do mostly have a third person, it's okay not to have a third person. I think Brandon and I are a great team, but I do like having guests. And I like that being rotating. I don't want it to be the same person every week because then you get stale, I think. 
Um, so I do like the rotating third guest. It adds a little more work to us, but that's okay. Um, and so I'm glad you guys are still here a year later. Our listenership, I had to start all over again because Espo took all the, all the, uh, the whole network with him. Um, this past year, we've, we've grown and we've gotten big again, and, and I really appreciate you guys being around. Yep, Suns Jam Session is a, is a great podcast as well. There's a lot of great Suns podcasts out there, and I'm really glad you guys are here with us. Um, and we'll see you again soon. If you're listening on the podcast, please do us a big favor. Leave us a five-star review. We haven't had a review in a while. We've gotten great reviews. Love the reviews. Love the rating on the show. If you're still listening right now, you love the show. Please, on the on the audio feed in Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Leave us a five-star rating. I'd very much appreciate that. Thank you so much for still being around. And we're looking for another, another great year here together. Um, Brandon, thank you for joining me on as, as partner here. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And we'll see you all next week when we come back. See you.